Welcome to the LEO Business Podcast, sponsored by LEO Networks, Ireland's leader in business connectivity. I'm your host, Joe Lynham, News Talks Business Editor. By sponsoring this podcast, LEO Networks aims to equip businesses of all sizes with insights from industry leaders, addressing today's most pressing challenges and fostering informed decision making and empower you with the knowledge you need to thrive in this digital age. Dublin is monopolising the Irish economy, just as London dominates in the UK and Paris in France. They all dominate the jobs market, the housing markets, the cultural scene, and they get more than their fair share of infrastructure investment. That dependence is not a good thing, and it creates a bubble and disadvantages those who choose not to live or work in the capital. In Ireland's case, that's two-thirds of the population. So what can be done to wean the economy off its dependence on Dublin, or should we even change things if the system is creating jobs and growing the welfare of the economy? Joining me now is Katie Flood, uh, the EY Ireland Partner and Head of Strategy and Transformation, and David Russell, the Chief Executive of LEO Networks. Can I start with you, David? Is the economy lopsided? Uh, yes, I think so. We as a business initially uh, started in the Dublin market and we have grown in the Dublin market as where the vast majority of our customer base is. We have recently been into Cork and even in the entry into Cork, which is a fabulous city, we're still seeing you know more growth in the Dublin market. So we are seeing a focus on Dublin. When you look at even connectivity, it's only recently through the investment of Natural Brabant Ireland um, and some of the other, you know, Air and some of the other providers that have only recently now realised the need for connectivity outside of Dublin. Uh, so yes, there does seem to be a lopsided approach to where Dublin-centric, Cork second, and then the rest of the country. Okay. Katie, from EY, are we lopsided? Is the economy lopsided? I think it is currently, but I think it's improving. 52% of FDI investment last year was actually in the regions, and that's a really good sign to see. I think a lot of the infrastructure has been improving around the country and in the regional areas. I think exactly as you say, David, it is really about Cork and Dublin right now, but there's really good, strong regional hubs being established that we can build on. Now, the IDA plays a big role in a lot of this, um, and over the past 12 to 18 months, a lot of the announcements that have been put out by the IDA have been outside the capital and outside the pale. Uh, and I wonder, is that due to them deliberately taking properties outside the, the capital, developing them, turning them into A grade and all that kind of stuff, putting them near a motorway hub of some description if they can, and then say, look, guys, this is plug and play. No, without a doubt. You know, it's creating that space for companies to come into. What international investors want is to come down and walk the floors of something that they can just move into and use. They don't want to have to do the refurb. They want to know it's going to work. You know, Mark Sharp and Dome in Carlo have got a whole new site there. They wanted that pre-built and they can walk into that and extend um, their team and their, their platform there. And you can see that in all of the the regional, the, the larger towns when you drive through them, you see those um the IDA parks that are already being set up. And then if you can get one client in there, it's the extension around that. And I think it's around, you know, the clusters of skills and the types of skills we build out around those, making sure that it's not just financial services or it's not just, um, you know, innovation and research. It's making sure that you've got multiple different skills in there. That's what the FDI um, investment is looking for so that they can build on growing out their platforms um, in those areas with multiple skills and not just getting one thing from one area. Now, are the skills there outside the capital? Well, 
Definitely the extension of the universities to now become technical universities around in the regions is really going to improve that and help with that. I think if you look at Setu in the southeast, and I'm very southeast focused coming from Carlo, mm -hmm. if you look at that... Um, it's the Southeastern Technical University? Yes. Um, and if you look at that, they've got great skills that um, are relevant for the area. So you've got a lot of large pharma clients in the area, and then you can actually get those skills from that university. You've got deep technology um, and ICT skills that a lot of the companies in those areas are looking for. Um, so I think education is key to it. And also, you know, what Solus is doing around uh, having more apprenticeships. Solus are? Um, they used to be FOSS, right? Mm. So they, they led all of the... Um, is the state agency responsible for making sure the skills are there? Yes, and different platforms and methods for people to actually build those skills. So not mm. everybody has to go to university. I think we're starting to see a lot more technology-based skills that people can build those up by doing a Solus course or a post-leaving cert course or trying something out and then getting a job in a regional area and building a career from there. So I think the, uh, the university network that's there now from the regional universities, as well as with the Solus platform for uh, apprenticeship programs, will allow people to build the skills and be able to provide the skills to that investment that's coming in. David, do you think lockdowns were good for the regions? I think lockdowns helped um, help people understand some of the, the how, how good it is to live outside of Dublin and enjoy the local uh, the the you know the more rural areas and the local towns. We did hear at the time of lockdown that there's going to be lots of rural hubs and that they were going to try and do more of that. I haven't heard anything any progress around that. It seems to be that we are refocusing back towards Dublin and Cork. We can see. Um, in terms of our workforce, uh, it's quite a young workforce. We're a tech company. We source a lot of our workforce from a lot of the colleges and institutions and universities, you know, Carlo and Athlone and, and places like that, because they are the best to get our skill set. But the challenge around some of the rural development and rural growth is they all want to come to Dublin. They want to come to the city. They want to get the bars and the restaurants. and So for young people, that's an especially big thing. Correct. And, and there is still a draw to the city. And I think that's part of the challenge around how do we, how do we you know, split that? How do we make those rural areas? And right now, that lobside economy where we opened that, it's part of that is driven because certainly in the tech sector, in the sector we work in, that youth wants to come to Dublin or Cork and even Galway uh, to enjoy the vibrancy of a city. So you can't change the mindset of young people who want that socialising, maybe finding a partner, finding a mate, but also learning at the knee of people who've been doing it for a decade or more. Yeah, and I think that's important. We saw during lockdown some of the challenges around people who work remotely, on board remotely in jobs. And, you know, there is a real challenge around some of those new, um, that new workforce on the skills that they've developed, you know, being able to manage people, interact and, and engage. And, you know, you can see a lot of the companies want to bring people back to the offices. There's various reasons for that. But a lot of the fundamentals are there's a feeling that people learn better together and that happens in hubs of cities. Um, so it's trying to find that balance. But there is a natural draw. I remember when, when I was young, I grew up in a rural town, Warren Point, couldn't wait to get to Belfast, couldn't wait to get to Oxford and then eventually couldn't wait to get to Dublin. So that's that was me. I just needed to get out and enjoy life a bit more. And it is a challenge to do that in some of the more rural areas. So there is that there is always going to be that pull away from the rural areas to the cities because of that. Do you think it means that older people will be more attracted to positions or opportunities outside the capital because maybe they have a family and maybe they don't need to be out in Café on Seine every Saturday night? 
Yes, I'm starting to feel that way now. I just have two kids, two seven-month-olds, and I'm starting to realize that actually the pubs on my doorstep don't seem as relevant anymore, and it's a real treat to get out. So we're now thinking differently about, but we still do enjoy living in the city and we still enjoy the vibrancy of it. Our office is in Trinity Street in Dublin too, um, and that's important to us, important to our workforce. Uh, but I think there is probably a move towards some of the um, the older workforce, for want of a better term, uh, moving into rural. And we spoke in a, in a previous podcast around some of the retraining and the challenges around it and moving that. And I think that can, you know, sort of sort of dovetail into that as well. If people are going to move out of this city and look at other uh, sectors and so forth, there could be a retraining piece. The government has, has a role to play in this to make sure that there is jobs and industry available outside of the city for those who do choose to leave the city and work rural. Is the broadband fast enough? You're in the connectivity business. Is it fast enough? I mean, it almost certainly is in the bigger cities, Cork, Limerick, Galway, but in the secondary cities and towns, maybe less so. It's not even fast enough in the in Dublin, Cork and Limerick. It's one of the reasons why, you know, as a fixed wireless provider, we are continuing to see growth because the large from right up from SME to large enterprise customers are coming to us for connectivity because there's so many challenges around the infrastructure, uh, fabric and framework in, in Ireland cities but actually then when you move it to the country yes there's huge investment through NBI and Air and other providers doing that but it is quite slow it is hampering growth outside of the city and at this stage there is a challenge for people who are working rurally to try and connect you know we hear all the stories we see all the buffering you know when you're doing uh, calls it is getting better and that investment and we talked about that at the start that investment is getting better and we are seeing that improve but it's still not where it needs to be. And if you look at other European countries and how their connectivity... Are they good enough, though, in the rural parts of the... Whether it's Germany or Sweden? I mean, Sweden is a giant country and half of it is covered in snow in the wintertime. Are they also getting good broadband speeds? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Germany, Germany's a very good example. Germany's fibre coverage and fixed wireless coverage across the, the not just the cities, but the rural areas is very, very strong. And there's no issue with people working hybrid or remotely. Uh, even uh, my husband employs a team right across the world and he has people in Spain and they're working in rural parts of Spain and there's no issue with their connectivity. So there is a bit of a catching up issue in infrastructural terms to to make it attractive to work regionally. Yes, there is in terms of, and it's part of that overall role that government and business and industry has to play to make the rural areas uh, more attractive. But with that being said, we also do recognise the business that there is a move to coming out of the city. We've just built our network in Cork. We're about to build a network in Limerick. We've invested significantly in the ability to roll fibre out and provide fibre to businesses right across the island because we recognise that there will be an opportunity and a growing opportunity outside the city also. Now, apart from the broadband infrastructure and the connectivity infrastructure, there's also physical infrastructure. Um, the motorway network is there, but public transport may not be very good. Uh, so people kind of look at all those things when they weigh up where they want to live. And I'm just not sure public transport uh, is going to be as good as they hope it is going to be uh, if they're going to live in a second tier town. But public transport in this country is, is, is quite bad. It's shocking in some instances. You know, we've looked at the plans. I don't mean to keep bringing it back to Dublin. This, this The whole idea is that this is not just Dublin-centric. Mm. But if you look at all the, the um, road closures they're trying to bring into Dublin and force people into public transport, there isn't public transport infrastructure isn't there. Now, you move that out of the city and you go to the countryside, 
you try and rely on public transport or the train system. We once had the best train network in the world. We obviously couldn't afford to keep it. In 1832. In 1832. It's now 2023 and and we're one of the worst for it. Now, there is a government plan to try and change that, but how long is that going to take? How long is that going to take to get through the planning uh, process, let alone the build? We're still waiting on the the underground railway system in, in Dublin. So it is very difficult to work out, not just in in Dublin but across Ireland and rely on the public transport system to actually get around and significant investment needs to be done to better that. Casey Flood from EY public transport planning permission planning permission and NIMBYs they play a role don't they? Yeah I mean I think it comes into play both in energy and in transport you know people want the infrastructure there but people don't want that in their own backyard that's what an NIMBY is right and I think the challenge is the engagement and communication that goes along with those processes needs to engage with the people that live in those areas a lot more and needs but to show there, the benefits. But isn't there public consultations and, uh, you know, chat, town hall chats? I don't think there's too much consultation and too much democracy. I think it's got to be continuous. I think when they're, when it's coming out, it's making sure people feel a part of that solution and that they get to design around that to make sure it's going to suit, that it's not being designed from Dublin, that it's designed in the regions to suit the region. And I kind of get a bit of the sense, Dave and I are coming from a slightly different background, being from the regions and wanting to sitting and stay sitting in a region. Um, I didn't necessarily want to run to Dublin or beyond. Um, I think it's really important that things are designed from within a region to suit that area I think there's lots of people if you talk about we talked about there about the cohorts of people who want to come to Dublin and use all of the uh, pubs and nightclubs up here and have reasons to, to kind of meet people but also you look at housing people can't buy houses up here so they want to be able to have that kind of lifestyle and that's actually coming much earlier I'm seeing than actually waiting until people are 35 40 people are looking to get on that property ladder earlier before they have families before they have children or whatever their situation might be so I think there's value for the regions um, in growing out um, their, you know, growing out the infrastructure there to make sure that people can have the lifestyle that they want. And I think if you look at places like Waterford, Cork, even up to Belfast, anywhere that's really on the um, on the coastline. Mm-hmm. You know, they have an opportunity to, to have the nice home to be able to travel into. We've got 10 regional offices in EY, and we, we find that those are doing really well currently. Mm. Um, they're able to service our you know clients from all of our tax assurance and consulting services um, from within those regions. And people can live by the coastline, have a nice property, be able to get into the town or city. Transport might not be public transport necessarily, but they do have the access they need if they have their own car or own opportunity. But you're also seeing that the the bus network is being rolled out within the regions now. There's a big program there. And I think we're starting to see the convergence of a number of strategic plans that were in place and talked about and all that consultation in the 90s that maybe took too long. In the 2000s, they were getting through that planning permission, but now it's coming through and you're starting to see- Only 30 years later. Maybe, but it takes planning. <laughs> and we have to, I guess we have to take, you know, have to take where we are right now and see how we can build from there rather than, you know, I think looking back and, and arguing the toss of how long it took to get here. I think we've got a great platform in Ireland and a great opportunity to build off that and to bring more foreign direct, direct investment into those regions. So there's no reason why not to benefit from that. And like that, like David's saying, focus on those parts that do still need that uplift. I would agree, broadband is critical and we have to find a way um, to improve that, to improve speed to connections um, and get people able to operate quite quickly on a really high quality that can keep them in the 
regions. And yes, they need to use the larger transport network to maybe come to Dublin or the bigger cities for certain events and, and things like that, but they don't have to be here all the time. And we find that really works well. We've led with a hybrid model. We want people to be able to work where they want to work on the island of Ireland. We just announced a thousand jobs in uh, a hub for EY in Derry that's going to allow people to, to operate from there. So there's lots of opportunity for people to, to stay in the regions and grow their careers, I think. Um, a lot of big employers are starting to order their staff back into the office, including, ironically, Zoom, that are saying, no, we want you to be physically present. Um, what did you make of the decision um, by the local council to reject planning permission for Apple to build a giant data centre near Athlone. That would have created a lot of jobs. It would have created a cluster around one of the biggest, the biggest company in the world. And yet the local NIMBY said, no way. Well, to my understanding, data centres don't drive a lot of jobs, actually. They take a, a lot of land space. And um, energy. And a lot of energy. Um, and they're high cost um, to build and, and to run. Uh, and there is some challenges uh, right now on the, the aging infrastructure of data centres on the island of Ireland that's going to have to be worked through. Um, I think the challenge there is energy and interconnections. And I think one of the things that's getting better there on that planning process is putting out the connection points where people can join to, where, where companies can apply and, and have a, a place that they know that they can get the energy when they need it. That's starting to come into place. But again, um, the individual applications can only get dealt with on an individual basis if they're not already aligned to that process. So unfortunate um, doesn't mean that they won't ever build that. Probably not. It's finding a way around They've that. They've gone. Um, what did you make of that decision, David Russell? I think Kitty's right. I mean, in terms of data centres, they're not necessarily driving huge amounts of jobs into the a region. The signal's not great, though, David. The signal. No, I, I, exactly. To, to giant companies like Having, Apple. Having, you know, if we're talking about looking at a strategy to make the rural areas and the regional towns and second cities more vibrant, it's important to have that. It's a first step. Uh, it's a first step. To, it's a great brand to have. It is going to drive in the short-term employment around building that. And there will be jobs created. And then what comes out of that? So... I think if Ireland is serious about building the rural areas, there has to be much more of an openness in the local areas to inviting these companies, such as Apple, such as Dallas. And I think we had something similar many years ago in Galway and where they were blocked there as well. So it is important that we look at it differently. I mean, in Ireland right now, you talk about, you know, the, the nimbyism, not my backyard. Somebody from anywhere in the, in the island can object in planning for something. In, in a separate Elio podcast, we discussed it with the minister and he said the planning system is being reformed. So and it has you, to be. So that you have to be materially impacted to object to something. You can't sit 12 counties away and object to something. Which broke. makes sense. And that's going to be important that we are... You know, back to Katie's point that the decisions uh, decisions for the rural areas are made in the areas that actually affect them. Now, mm. in this instance, I don't know if the nimbyism was, was, was local and blocked Apple or whether it was in someone else. It possibly could be in someone else on more of a different agenda. Uh, but it is important that those decisions are made locally. But it is important that we support companies like Apple and so forth coming in outside of Dublin into the rural areas. I have a better acronym for you. BANANA. Build absolutely nothing anywhere near anything. <laughs> You can take that and put that in uh, in your next discussion. Um, the west coast of Ireland has some of the windiest coastlines in the world. It could be an energy hub, couldn't it? And that would create a huge amount of new tech and new expertise to the bit of the country that has been emptied over the past century. 
absolutely not only wind but we have also mm. we are very very lucky to have the natural resources we could be energy independent we could be a, an exporter um but once again there is an element of nimbyism that doesn't allow uh wind farms and so forth be built there's probably a lack of foresight around this to understand what's right and how do we do that um and even if you look at so we as a business we are on our we are publishing our roadmap next year to be net zero carbon we're highly reliant on the grid and the services that are the electric the the, the power services that are available we find it difficult to bring power into some locations. So we are really struggling how we're going to get net zero for our power usage. Connectivity, whether it be fiber, fixed wireless, 5G and so forth, does rely on power and, 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 and you know, a huge lot of it. Data centers the same. So we've got to do more around the, 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 the adoption of it. And as you rightly say, the West Coast is just perfect place to do it. Um, I'm not. I'm not ha- having a go. The regions here, are, but Katie, um, there is a uh, there is a feeling uh, in the capital uh, that the regions don't want anything to change, but they want the cash to flood in anyway. I think if you were to to walk through any of the regions, you know, any of the large towns or cities outside Dublin, a lot of the the main cities centres strips like the main town center um is very quiet you know there's there's not a lot of uh, businesses centrally there are a lot more of these ida centers or kind of large shopping networks on the outskirts and the satellites and i think you know people are looking at that and getting concerned that some of these changes are going to make that worse i want to get confidence that actually some of these changes are going to bring more investment the more confidence there is in employment in a town or area the more people will spend and that's good for the overall economy and that's back to that point of you know do we need to plan from dublin centrally or whether it's regional planning i think it's important that people are able to see that economy growth and improvement so that they want to encourage and want to buy into those changes that are happening there. Do you think that uh, local government could be improved? Because local government uh, councillors that you would talk to will say, well, listen, our budgets are squeezed to within an inch of their life and everything is decided in D2 and it's not right. Whereas if you give more powers, for example, a locally elected mayor or a regional mayor of some description like they have in many, many countries in Europe, would that change things? I don't know that it would. Would it be more bureaucracy? I think, you know, the Chamber of Commerce in most towns and, and but cities they don't have has an powers. impact. They don't, you're right, but they can influence and influence is important. We see the role of influencers in, in social media and everyday life. So I think that influence is really important. And you see, you know, Chambers of Commerce gathering more strength and encouraging more employment and uh, getting more communication out around what businesses are in the area and how to build out more of those businesses. I think um, definitely representation is really important, right? And um, getting that voice in the dole to to back um, jobs coming into a certain area to ensure that cluster development is going to bring in the right skills that are being developed by that college. It's, you know, the connected up approach Mm. um, in the area is really, really important. Um, And I think it's at different times, it does depend on who's in office for different areas. It's the same everywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really important to get that representation. I'm not sure another layer would really add benefit. But do you not think it's a little bit ridiculous to, uh, when, when a government is formed that they say, oh, there's no Carlo minister, or oh, there's no Donegal minister, which we had three and a half years ago. That, to my ears, sounds very parochial. 
Yeah, I, you know, and I, I get that, uh, the whole uh, think globally, act locally, or is it the other way around? I'm not sure what that statement used to be. You know, I think there's a real balance to be had. And it's really important um, that there is representation so that you have the regional voice. You know, it has to be there in the doll. Um, and then that that representation is collective, that, you you know, that's where the regions will come together, not just one county. And I think that's what's important. You know, Carlow itself is very small, but Kenny, Waterford, large and have their own industries. How do you bring that together and really represent in the Dáil to kind of grow out a region? I think that's what this regional development planning is doing. Um, the IDA getting ahead of that and making sure they have the business parks in the right place. I think those are the positive steps in the right direction. Uh, David, can I go back to the cold connectivity issue? Um what is the thing that you really want to see done in the next five years to really speed up that, improve that regional connectivity? The first thing is I think the mistake that was made around the national broadband plan was that it was fixated on fibre. Uh, I don't think that was the right. If you look at other areas, even the UK, so the UK have quite a strong presence of fibre in urban areas and they have quite a strong presence of fixed wireless access in urban and rural areas. And it's a much quicker, cost-effective way to deploy connectivity quickly. It is a very important role to play in uh, the connectivity framework and fabric of every country. We're one of the only countries that has you know, looked at this and went, it has to be fibre only. You look at the US, you look at the UK, you look at other regions of Europe. So that has delayed us because it takes a very long time to dig fibre. Uh, and National Broadband, Ireland are, are, are going gangbusters as quickly as they can, but they are coming into multiple bureaucracy. You know, we talked about it, uh, the local mayors and the local, and, and I think Kitty's right. We, the last thing we want is more bureaucracy in this country. Mm. There's already too much bureaucracy. We talked about it uh, around planning. Mm. So we need, we, we, A, we need to accelerate this and we need to understand the connectivity. Nothing can happen unless places are connected. You know, even if they, we don't sort out the, pub, the public transport issue, uh, if we sort out the connectivity issue, at least something can happen and, and businesses will be more interested in coming outside of Dublin and Cork. But we need to speed it up. We need to look at other technologies, uh, such as fixed wireless access, to get there quicker because we're going to miss the boat on the whole thing if we don't quicken it up. And 5G, is that not regarded as good enough? 5G is fine in certain regions um, and the technology is fine for certain use cases. But if you're going to set up something like Apple's data center to come back to that example or any of the mid-tier SME right up to enterprise, they can't operate over 5G. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not even enough if you're going to operate work remotely. Um, you need more. You need something more substantial and robust. Fixed wires access, you know, yes, I'm biased around it. It's a fabulous technology. It's proven to be part of the fabric for connectivity outside of urban areas. And, and it's not as expensive to build. Nowhere near as expensive to build. It can be deployed the next day. And it's reliable? It's, it's totally reliable. The technology, the advancement technology, if you look at Google Fiber, mm. who set the mission to connect the whole of the US with fiber, they quickly realized that they couldn't do it. And they acquired a company called WebPass. They brought that those two companies together and they're rolling out a fixed wireless solution right across many urban areas and rural areas of the US and connecting them up. And that has accelerated and been driven by, you know, the US experienced something similar to us. They experienced a move away from cities during COVID people realizing that the rural and urban area or the outside urban areas are, are offer a different and a better life in many respects. And we talked about, you know, that commute time and how easy it is from Ireland. But we've seen that and fixed wireless helped drive that. And they've understood that we can't do that yet. Connectivity in many areas uh, is just still not good enough. David, I gave you the first word, which means I must give Katie the last word. Katie, what would you like to see to promote regional growth in terms of connectivity? What's what's your wish list? And I think when it comes to connectivity, it is connecting to those regional plans and making sure that um, 
where we know we're going to need the demand that that's prioritized first and focused on because that's you know the way to build it up and to build confidence we're not going to solve you know Rome wasn't built in a day we're not going to solve everything um i think exactly as david says having different modes of connectivity having ways that people can connect um but i think also in those regions ensuring that people have ways to connect through all of the things that they need whether that be education transport energy or broadband connection. It's a collection of things that need, people need to have in place in those regions to be successful and making sure that each of those are coming together in tandem is what's going to, to make real connectivity in the broader sense work. And could you see a situation in 10 years time where decoupling happens, i.e. that we're not as dependent on Dublin as we currently are? I'm not sure it's ever going to be you know, an even split. You know, How can it with multiple regional areas and, and one well, it, city. it works in Germany. But you know, I think we can multiple... see it spread. Yeah, I think we can definitely see it spread. Um, definitely, as we look at, you know, from an EY perspective, as I said earlier, you know, we've got 10 regional offices and we expect to see those grow. We expect to potentially open others. We expect to have centres of excellence um, within some of those regional areas, like a technology centre of excellence potentially in Limerick and having, you know, growth in our Cork office and, and the growth outlined in our, our Belfast office is already there. I think there's potential um, for more growth in each of those regional areas and, and we expect to see that coming. Katie Flood, the EY Ireland partner and head of strategy and transformation. Thank you very much. And David Russell, the chief executive of LEO Networks. Thank you both. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of the LEO podcast. We hope you found our discussion as captivating as we did. Remember, our journey through the realms of connectivity, technology and business continues. LEO Networks, with 25 years of serving Irish businesses, offers a unique next-day installation and connectivity service. So stay tuned for more thought-provoking episodes that promise to empower you with the knowledge and inspiration you need. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts.